Thanks for joining us for today's message. We want to encourage you to stop by NBCOcala.com if you have a story to share about how God is working in your life or if you would like to support this ministry financially. Today we're hearing a message from our series, Family Matters. During this series, we are discovering that a healthy relationship with God creates healthy relationships in life. And help me welcome our internet audience, if you would. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Happy Mother's Day. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, hard to believe it. This is already week five on the series, and we've got one more week on Family Matters. And um, let's make good use of our time here today. If you look with me in Isaiah chapter 32, and this has been our text each week, and, and remember again, every word counts. And the effect of righteousness will be, help me out, peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Is that not an incredible promise out of God's word? How many of you want that for your life, for your family, for for your homes? Absolutely. And there's a way to get there, and that's that's what we're looking at. The principle that we could lift from all of this is righteousness brings peace. Righteousness brings peace. Not perfection brings peace, but righteousness brings peace. And what righteousness really has to do with is having a heart to do this and endeavoring the best we can to do this, to do things in God's way. And God's way is the right way. It's the right way because that's the way it's designed to work. And if we try to do things in a way that God didn't design it to work, it won't work. Everything works that way. Uh, I watched a video of a little baby the other day trying to drink out of a hose. You know, and, and uh, I should have brought it we should, so we could show it, you know, and, and that water was going everywhere but where that baby wanted it to. And, you know, you've got to line things up if they're going to work right and, and end up with the desired result. And so what we want to do is line up our lives and line up our relationships and line up our families um, with God's way of doing things. Righteousness brings peace. Say that with me. Righteousness brings peace. Now, Peace here is the Hebrew word shalom. Go ahead and say shalom. Shalom. And uh, it's often translated peace, but it's a whole peace. It it means complete and whole. It's not just peace that, hey, we're getting along right now kind of peace, but it's it's many things. It's not just one thing. And and as they weave together and uh, reinforce one another, then that shalom peace comes to us. One of the ways that we're illustrating that is it's like fabric. Shalom is like a fabric. And there's many fibers and strands that are woven together. And it makes something beautiful and something strong, something useful. Uh, One uh, writer I read after said God is clothed in shalom. And so the fabric of his garment is this completeness, this wholeness all together. Often we hear of, um, you know, the fabric of society or the fabric of a community or the fabric of a family is torn or, or ripped in some way. And, um, you know, we want it to be whole and that our families can be covered and carried and wrapped, so to speak, with the shalom of God. And that's, that's what we want for, for our families. Amen. Amen. The reality is um, that oftentimes it, it's frayed, it's torn, it's um, choosing my language very carefully because I slipped in here last week, and, and, and ripped and so forth. And, but here's what happens. When we, um, when we do things God's way, righteousness brings peace, 
then we can preserve shalom or if there's an area of our life where it has been torn, snagged, or ripped. In, in that way then, what we need to do is begin to do things in God's way. And that righteousness will bring peace. It will bring wholeness. It will bring mending. Pastor Ron, could you grab that for me? Thank you so much. You're a good man. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but that's what we want. This is the reality of where we are. You know, and then uh, that we continue. And then when we find areas where we have uh, those tears and so forth in our families, in our relationships, in our life, that we do things God's way so that he can bring that mending and restore and repair uh, shalom for each of us. Amen? Amen. That was weak. Amen? Because this is, this is important stuff here today. Um, today I want to talk to you about principles and priorities. Principles and priorities. The reality is that's what I always talk to you about is principles and priorities. But I want to take it a little bit further today and find out what do we do with our principles and priorities? How do they play out? How do they flesh out? How do we apply these things in our life? And here's, here's where principles and priorities find their application in our decisions and directions. Go ahead and say that with me. Decisions and directions. And this is vital because the decisions we make and the directions we take are going to determine if we end up having that shalom wholeness of God or not. It's going to determine if we have um, a blessing and the help and favor of God or that we have damage in our relationships and in our families. And so this becomes very, very um, vital for all of us. Um, everything is about decisions and, and directions. Look with me in Joshua chapter 24. And Joshua says, and if you go back and read this later, in the context of this, he's talking about a lot of things that have happened and what God has done for them. And then he says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose. Okay, remember decisions and directions, there's a choice. Then choose today whom you will serve. And let me just insert this. You're going to serve somebody. So choose whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in the land you now live? But as for me and my family, help me out. We will serve the Lord. And and I intentionally chose the New Living Translation because I like the way this is worded. So often we hear it, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But I like this. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Will you just declare that with me? As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Now, what, what that ends up being is our principles and our priorities now are going to play out in our decisions and directions that we take. Joshua made decisions and headed in directions, get this, based on the demonstrated goodness and greatness of God. It's based on the demonstrated goodness and greatness of God. So he had some things established. He was Moses' assistant for a long time. He saw things, he knew things, and they became his principles and his priorities, and they played out now as he led the children of Israel, and not only them, but whatever you guys decide to do, let me tell you what we're doing. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Decisions and directions. Well, too often, we don't have any real criteria for why we decide certain things. Too often, we don't have much of 
much substance behind the directions that we end up taking. How many of you, when you were a teenager, ever remember getting in trouble? You know, maybe your, your, your parents or a teacher or a coach or something, they go, what were you thinking? Why are you doing that? And, and would you, uh, I don't know. Or we'll point to somebody else or whatever. And, and you know what? At some point, we've got to grow up and we've got to decide for ourselves, why am I deciding to do this? Why am I going in this this direction, but too often we don't have much criteria for why, and and it's plaguing our culture and our families, why we've decided to do this. Sometimes it's trends, sometimes it's fads, uh, peers, fears, uh, media. Here's one, seems right, seems right, which reminds me of a verse in Proverbs 14, 12, it says this, there is a way that, help me, Seems right to a man, but its end is the way of, which says, eh, survey says not good. That was a bad choice. That's a bad direction because of how it ended up. But sometimes we do things because seems right. We got pressured into it. We watch other people do it or whatever it would be. And, and let me just tell you, if that is the criteria of you making decisions and going in directions, it's not going to go well for you. Another reason would come out of this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Paul says, all things are lawful for me. Let me just go ahead and give you a word here. They're allowable, they're permissible. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify or build up. So another reason why we make some of the decisions, y'all here? We make the decisions and go in directions is because it's permissible. It's permissible. It's allowable. You know, there's new laws in our land that there's certain things you can smoke now. (laughs) Legally. Well, just because it's legal, does that make it helpful? Does that make it edifying? I mean, listen. Listen to me. Look at me. Don't just do things because you can. I mean, you could do all kinds of stuff. You could decorate and frost the birthday cake with toothpaste if you want. (laughs) Start a new family tradition. That doesn't mean that it would be good. You can if you want. You are free. I hear people say it all the time, free country. Good. Uh, You can eat at McDonald's every meal, every day if you want. Have at it. That doesn't mean it's going to be good for you. You can even tug on Superman's cape. But that doesn't mean that it's good or it's helpful or that it's going to edify you. And so our decisions and our directions are informed by our principles and our priorities. And and if we have the wrong, if we're making wrong decisions and going in wrong directions, it totally points back, my principles are wrong and my priorities are off. So today I want to kind of help to just wrap ourselves around this and get centered back up on our principles and our priorities. And I'm not going to list them all today. I'm going to show you what to do with them and where they come from and how they play out in our decisions and in our directions. Ultimately, it comes down to what is called a worldview. A worldview. Everybody has a worldview. I said everybody has a worldview. That's the lens or the filter through which they see the world around them. They make determinations about reality. Uh, 
That's the way they kind of process, make sense of life. This is how people set uh, their priorities and principles. This is how people make their decisions. It's based upon a worldview. And all worldviews, every worldview centers up on certain questions about deity, about origins, about human nature, uh, uh, about moral rules, about the future. All worldviews center up on that. Essentially, though, we have just two worldviews, okay? Now, there are plenty. There are plenty. But if you break it all down, we essentially have two. Uh, I'll show you those real quick. The first one is called theistic. Everybody say theistic. Uh, it's not that hard of a word here. The, the root word, uh, the, theo, out of the Greek, out of the Latin here, it has to do with God. And so this is a worldview that has God in the center of it, okay? And so then we go to the other worldview, which is atheistic. And once you add that prefix of the A, you undo the root here. And so we take God out of that worldview. And now you have a worldview that is not, God is not the center. Now man is the center and nature is the center. And I think people are awesome and I think nature is incredible, but you know what? Man and nature can't save you. Man and nature can't fill you, can't bless you. You know, once you take God out of it, you have a skewed worldview and um, it, it makes a world of, of difference here. Um, then there is something kind of in between, and this is what I want to caution us on today, and it would be called this practical atheism. And that is that you believe in God but it has not translated over into your principles and priorities. It doesn't show up in your decisions and your directions. And so you know what? You don't get the end result of shalom or the help of God in your families and relationships. So we want to be careful today that we're addressing this. And this is what we're committing ourselves to, is what we're going to call a a biblical worldview. Um, Let me just remind you, there's two ways to do anything, okay? There's God's way and in any other way. And so we want to zero in on, if I take God out of my worldview, then I'm going to end up um, headed in the wrong direction. We call this a biblical worldview rather than a Christian worldview, okay? And and zero in for this. There are 2.3 billion Christians in the world today. It's the largest single entity or group uh, in, in the entire world. But over the whole span of the whole world and all the different flavors and varieties of Christianity, um, it's hard to just come up with a Christian worldview that has a set standard to it. So I think we're better off to call it a biblical worldview where our standard comes back to this. It comes back to God's word that is forever settled in heaven and it never changes. Y'all good with that? Okay. Um, So in a biblical worldview, then we view the world, the beginning of the world, the people of the world, the problems of the world, the government of the world, the issues of the world, the solutions of the world, the future of the world. We view all of those things then through God's word. And from a biblical worldview, we see all problems and all solutions as first of all being spiritual. Now think about it. it does not mean that there, are nat- there aren't natural things and other things to be involved in that, but we view all problems and all solutions as, first of all, being spiritual. 
This goes far beyond just, well, the problems in the world then are uh, poverty and, and, and terrorism and, and, you know, all the different things that are going on in the world. Now, let me tell you what the biggest problem in the world is. You, re- you ready for this? Spiritual emptiness. Spiritual emptiness. I think everything else comes. When you take God out of that, you know, when you take life and love and light out of a situation, you, you've got a problem. Okay? And when we take God out of our families or out of our schools or out of anything that we take him out of, we exclude him out of our finances, we exclude him out of our activities, we exclude him out of our priorities and principles, and we're, we're going to have a problem there. And so uh, Jesus put it this way in John chapter 15. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Read this last part with me. For with, without me... You can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. So once we take God out of that worldview, take God out of our our principles and our priorities, then everything changes there. Uh, Paul in the book of Ephesians said this, that there are people that in the world are without hope because they're without God. And then we find in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus replied, he says, your mistake, key in on this, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures And you don't know the power of God. So what we've got to, and I'm trying to simplify this as best I can. Here's where we've got to zero in. This is the thing that we've got to embrace right here is there is no higher law and no greater God. Read that with me. No higher law and no greater God. That's what has to inform your principles your priorities that are going to translate over into what you decide and the directions you take. And the outcome of that is going to be the shalom, blessing, and wholeness of God. Amen. Well, on a Mother's Day and on a day where we dedicate babies and, and um, we're talking about family, I, before we finish here today, we want to pass our worldview on to our children. I'll say it again. We want to pass our worldview on to our children. Um, It is vital that we pass on a biblical worldview to our children. Now get this, and we've talked about this a lot before. One generation knows something, embraces something, and lives something. The next generation, if things aren't handled in a right way, that next generation tends to only remember those things and principles. And if something doesn't happen in the second generation to revive that and for it to become very real and active in them, then that third generation will forget this altogether or they'll treat it as very skeptical. And we're watching that happen in our culture and generation to generation. And I believe God is stirring us up then to be revived in these truths. And though we've got the whole smorgasbord, we've got so much selection of worldviews and what's right and what's wrong. And I just want to present to you again, there's no higher law and there's no greater God. Read that with me again. There's no higher law and no greater God. If we just get that centered on that, that will inform our principles. That will inform our priorities and will play out in our life. You with me so far? We want to pass that on to our children, to the next generation in a way that they embrace it for their own. You know, we want to pass it on in such a way that, that they now will live their life, view their life, make their decisions, go in their directions, 
on their own in the right way. Follow this. Not just because we make them. See, that's called religion and religion breeds rebellion. I've been there. You've probably been there. You're going to live this way. You're going to act this way. You're going to talk this way. You're going to behave this way. And it's put on you and it's right. But it may not, you may not get it yet. So it's just imposed on you. Now, when, when children are little, you have to help them. You have to correct them. You have to guide them. But you also have to show them. But the goal of that is to do it in such a way that when they come of their own and now they make their own decisions and choose their own directions, that they'll do it on their own accord, not just because somebody's making them do it. Reminds me of a story of a little boy in school. Let's just call him Timmy. And Timmy's standing up while the teacher's teaching. And the teacher says, Timmy, sit down. So he sits down. A few minutes later, he's back up. Timmy, sit down or you won't get to play when we go out for recess. Sits down. A few minutes later, he's back up. Timmy, if you don't sit down, I am sending you to the office. And we'll call your parents. So he sits down. Kind of stays seated for a while and then he lifts his hand, interrupts the teacher. Yes, Timmy. Teacher, I just wanted to let you know that while I may be sitting down on the outside, I'm standing up on the inside. That's you, that's me. What is that about? We don't want to live our life just because something is imposed upon us. It needs to be something that's settled in my heart, settled in your heart, settled in our children's heart, that there's no higher law and there's no greater God. Why would I want to go in another way or this way? And see, if you and I will model it in such a way, they they don't want to have anything less than the shalom, wholeness, and peace of God for their life, for their family. I've talked to two of the dads over the course of this morning that had babies dedicated this morning. Two of the dads told me, he said, Pastor, I've heard you say there's God's way and there's any other way. And I'm merging both the stories here essentially the same. And for a long time, I went my own way. I went the other way besides God. And then when we realized we were having a baby, I thought, I got to shift lanes. I got to get over this. Why? Why? Because that new dad wants wholeness for their child. They didn't want the grief. They didn't want the struggle. They didn't want the confusion. They didn't want the pain that went with everything else. And so they changed lanes and came over because they know what is right. And we've got to get this settled in us and and handle it in such a way that we're able to pass it on to our children. I believe that God's biggest tool and probably the greatest way that God wants this to happen, you ready for this, is in our homes. It's to happen in our homes. This is to happen in our homes. Now, the church will be your ally. And I commit to you that we will be your best ally. We're here to help you. But don't take the mindset of some. I'm just going to drop my kids off at the church, and I hope the youth pastor can do something with them, okay? You know, we're allies. We're in this together. You, you have to do some things. So let me just share with you. Deuteron- Deuteronomy chapter 6 talks about this, and this is the way to do this. When you rise up, when you go about your business, when you sit down to eat, when you do more things, when you finally... Uh, lie down, you're to talk and teach about these things. 
Talk and teach. And it's, it's more lifestyle than lecture. Okay? It's what you model for them. You model generosity. You model grace. You model self-control. You model a joy for God. You talk about the goodness of God. But you're to talk and teach in your home. I see some of you season up. Teach? I, I can't teach about these things. All right? Time out just for a moment. What if at your place of business, just picture this with me. What if at your place of business they post a notice that they're creating a new position. Anybody can apply for it. And it's like three times your pay. And, and it would be a good promotion. Let me just put it this way. It would change your life and family. And what if you walked up and read the requirements of that and thought, well, I don't know what I need to know. I don't know what I need to know to, to apply for that job, to be in that job. Would you just walk away from that and go, well, I, I don't know what I need to know to do that. No, you know what you should do? You should square your shoulders and say, you know what? I think I'm the person for this job. And I will go find out what I need to know. Yeah. I will go search out. I'll go get help. I'll go back to school. I'll do what I need to do so that I can know because I've got to change my life. I've got to change my family. And see, sometimes we say, well, I don't know what I need to know to teach my family. Listen, it's a lot easier than what you think. Can I give you the secret to teaching in your home, to teaching anywhere? You ready for this? I'm going to give up a secret. You ready? All you have to do is just be one day ahead of everybody else. That's all you got to do. Just be one day ahead in whatever devotion or whatever, you know, chapter, verse, whatever. Just one day ahead of everybody else and you can teach. And listen, it is vital that in our homes we talk and teach of the things of God. Throughout all the, all the years of raising our kids, Alicia and I will talk and interact, not just because we're pastors. Look at me. Before we were pastors and long after we ever are and we're tired or whatever we do, we're believers. We're believers. And what we've settled in our hearts is there's no higher law and there's no greater God. And so as we deal with life's challenges and life's situations and life's blessings, we talk about, and it's not religious, children gather around while we talk about the good things of our Heavenly Father. That's gross, y'all. It's just real deal. It's got to be just part of your life. And again, it's more lifestyle than it is lecture. But here's where it starts. You, everybody say me. me, you have to settle this. You have to wrestle this to the ground. What are your principles? What are your priorities? What informs them? Are you going to make decisions and go in direction because it seems right? Are you going you gonna to make decisions and go in directions just because it's allowable, it's permissible? Everybody else is doing this. How about as for me and my house, as for me and my family, we've settled this thing. We're going to wrap everything around this, that there's no higher law and there is no greater God. And and I'm going to tell you again, if you take God out of the equation, you take him out of your worldview, there is no one there to help you. There's no one there to save you. There's no one there to give you his peace and to give you his shalom. In Psalm 25, Here's a, it's a good prayer. Why don't you read this with me? Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. And when he will teach us his ways and we'll follow his ways, we'll be making right decisions. We'll be going in right directions. And that righteousness will bring that shalom peace. Now, before I finish, 
I want to make sure that we're hitting this in the right way here. Listen, some of you might be here today saying, but it's, for my situation, it's too late. My kids are grown, my kids are gone, or, or whatever. No, no, listen to me. Understand how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God works in this way. You do your part, God will do his part. And even if your children are, quote, out of your reach, here's what you do. You start now. Even if you never did any of this, you start now. Look at me. Listen to me for this. And then never underestimate what God can do. Just you, wherever you're at, you start now and watch what God will do. Did y'all get anything at all out of this today? All right. Bless the Lord.